0: You're listening to the Empowered Divorce Podcast, where women support women who have experienced betrayal, trauma, and abuse, and are now facing divorce. Here, you'll learn tools and concepts to help guide your journey from a place of empowerment by trusting yourself and becoming the chooser in your life. I'm your host, Amy Woolsey. Thanks for joining. Hello, hello, my amazing listeners. How are you today? Seriously, how are you? You have all been on my mind so much, and I have had a lot of compassion and empathy for those of you who are feeling super triggered at this time of year, this time of month, the month of love. But love trigger or not, I want to talk about triggers today. In fact, I think I'm going to take the next two weeks to talk about triggers and different aspects of it because there's just so much to say about this topic, and I'm really passionate about bringing more awareness two women around your triggers. Because the more I learn, the more I'm just really honestly completely amazed and in awe of our bodies. And when we talk about having an empowered divorce, that includes feeling empowered in your body and in your brain. And when we have these triggers and trauma responses, it can feel very disempowering. So Hopefully some of this information and the way that I'm framing it for you and examples will help you see what I'm talking about here. But right now, again, with perhaps the trigger of the 14th coming, this episode will help you to be better prepared. A lot of you are afraid of a trigger, and this just is not a great way to live. I hear clients say, oh my gosh, I hate my triggers. I hate it when I get triggered. Why can't I be over this by now? Why are they still happening? I'm divorced. Shouldn't they go away by now? Right? It can seem very unfair. There are so many ways that you can be triggered after divorce. Those of you who experience betrayal trauma in your relationship know what being triggered and having those responses are. And I think that, I know for me at least, when I divorced and I was still having a lot of these trauma responses in fact more so and I'll I'll talk more about why that is but i it was confusing and i felt like something was really wrong with me like i was especially like i was doing something wrong hopefully this information will help you to drop into a lot more self compassion and, and give yourself some grace here today i'm going to offer you some tools that will help you with these triggers whatever they are so besides the love day coming up let's just say facebook memories comes up And now you're triggered, and now your day is ruined, and you feel like you can't bring yourself out of these intense emotions. It could be a place you go, a song you hear, the tone of voice your ex has when you talk with him. Crap, I remember being triggered by the little ding on my text message because he would text me such awful things and blow up my phone, especially when we're going through divorce, that I had to change the ringtone and the text tone. Eventually, I just blocked them. But the littlest thing, just a ding, can like send your body into a trauma response. And you feel like it's wrong, right? Wrong. It's actually right. Okay. Have I confused you yet? Let me explain what's happening here. Because understanding more about how the brain and body works will help you see what's happening exactly is right based on how your amazing body and brain are doing their job. And their job is to protect you. We have a little six-pound malty poo, little Stella, and she's afraid of everything and everyone and that everything and everyone is going to kill her. (laughs) Every sound, every noise, her little brain tells her that she is in danger. And she's so funny. Lately, she's been afraid of her own shadow. And she'll walk outside to go to the bathroom and she'll hear the crispy leaves blowing and she'll run back inside. She hears a car drive by, and she runs back inside. And heaven forbid, the dog next door comes out and starts barking. She runs so fast back to the door that sometimes she trips over herself. And, I mean, she can't even see this dog on the other side of the fence, but she knows it's there, and it's scaring her. Now, it's easy for me to look at her and to shake my head and laugh and say how silly she's being. It's just leaves blowing in the wind, Stella. But to her, it's very scary. Her little primitive brain is alerting her that all things might be causing her pain and death. I got to thinking how many fears I have overcome and how at one point in my life, quote, leaves blowing in the wind was very scary. Like the ding on the text phone, songs on the radio, people sitting in front of me at church with their arms around each other, like all of these things. When our brain experiences trauma, it now goes to this hyper vigilant protective mode, and its job is to constantly look out for anything that remotely relates to the trauma you originally experienced. And so, those leaves blowing in the wind triggers could be silence when my kids were gone at their dad's house or going to the store and seeing a couple at the store together, laughing and grocery shopping together. Anything can trigger you. And so first and foremost, I want to offer you the idea to drop any judgment that might be coming about what is triggering you. It doesn't matter how silly it is. I remember one time the color red triggered me. And there's a whole story behind that. But just I saw the color. And I felt a trigger. And had my body had a trauma response to that. I hate this trauma response. And again, felt like I was doing something wrong. And that I just wasn't healed enough. Thinking that I had to do better and be better. And this just is not true. When you've experienced trauma, your brain will now warn you about leaves blowing. About anything. And I just think... That is the most amazing, beautiful, powerful thing about our brain and body. And hopefully, by the end of these next two weeks, you can start to see why I'm saying that. For those of you who have suffered betrayal trauma, abuse, divorce, especially sexual betrayal, sexual betrayal is the most intimate relationship that exists between two people. This kind of betrayal is traumatic. And I know many of you, unfortunately, have had people downplay this kind of trauma or make comments that lead you to believe that you should be over it by now. Maybe even the very person who betrayed you is telling you that you need to get over it and move on. We long for a deep connection that begins the moment we're born and it never ends. We learned very early in our life who is safe and who is not and who can meet our needs and who won't and who can't, who we can trust and who we can't trust, who we're safe with and who we're not safe with. We learn this so early. Dr. Stephen Porges has found that our nervous system helps us determine whether people are safe or not. That by processing information from the environment, through our senses, the, our six senses, the nervous system continually evaluates that risk. He says, quote, I have coined the term neuroception to describe how neural circuits distinguish whether situations or people are safe, dangerous, or life-threatening. That means our nervous system is constantly assessing our safety. It's what our bodies were designed to do. And Dr. Kevin Skinner says, quote, It's so interesting that while we all have this desire to connect, our first and most basic instinct when interacting with people is to hold back and assess if we are in a safe environment or not. So when we let our guard down and connect with someone who then turns around and betrays our trust, we start to begin to question our ability to protect ourselves. And then the natural reaction, natural response is to pull back, to stop trusting them. And we also stop trusting people around us, including ourselves. And that can even include not trusting God, not trusting the higher power. We go into self-protection mode and become a lot more cautious so that we don't experience that same hurt again. The brain and body are designed to do this. So when this fear-induced event happens repeatedly, especially when we feel like we can't escape the situation Or we haven't been able to escape the situation. We feel trapped. We can't move. We can't move forward. So many women, including myself, are so hard on themselves, especially when people around us are pointing out the symptoms that come from this trauma and making statements that make you think you shouldn't feel this way or you should be better by now. But like I said before, you're feeling and body and brain are responding exactly how they should because they're doing their job. So your central nervous system has three different states. Your parasympathetic state. Now, this state is the rest state, calm. This is where your digestion is is happening. Very curious, very connected. You have energy, but not like over-the-top energy. You're, You're grounded. When you hear people talk about getting grounded, you're tapping into this parasympathetic state and this is where you feel secure your body is healthy you are healthy you you feel that sense of safety around you and and in your body the other two states are also really important to notice and i'm going to talk about all three of them but so your parasympathetic and then your sympathetic state so imagine this sympathetic state above your parasympathetic okay so sympathetic state is that state of anxiety, higher energy. Think of it as the fight flight response. And this level of energy is going to get things done. This is when we go into hypervigilant mode where we're just like, all right, I've got to do something and I'm going to check things. Many of you who did experience betrayal, there was perhaps this time where you were checking the phones, checking location, checking computer, just a very, high energy, high anxiety state. Okay, that's the sympathetic state. And then you have the dorsal vagal freeze. Okay, this state is going to be under the parasympathetic state. Once your level of energy runs out, this high anxiety, hypervigilant state, because it's requiring so much energy, your System now starts to shut down to, again, save that energy. It's like, well, we cannot function like this. It's too much energy. And so it goes It goes to the dorsal vagal freeze. Because if you haven't done anything to activate the parasympathetic, which is that calm, connected, grounded, it's going to go from the above arousal, save energy, shut down, Now we're going down to the dorsal vagal freeze, which is overwhelm. This will be that low, this is going to be lower than the parasympathetic, okay, in terms of energy. The trauma response always starts with the trigger. And this is when your body goes into that startle. Have you ever watched squirrels? (laughs) When you see them, when they see you coming, they have this like startle response, okay? That's the beginning of the trauma response. And you notice the squirrel will look at you and they just freeze, right? <laughs> they freeze. And in that freeze, there's a little bit of, of an energy picker upper, right? And this little bit of an energy boost that that is zoning in on what your brain just noticed. Was it a sound? Was it something visual? Is this a problem? Is this a real threat? Do I need to respond to this? Or did my kids just drop a bowl on the ground? Okay, you have that that moment of, wait, what? And if it's a real threat, your system goes into the full response, which, which is that high energy state, and that's when the squirrel runs, takes off. And as a human, <laughs> you go into the take action, movement. You're doing something. The hormones in your blood at that moment makes you move. And this is just a very instinctual response And there's no really conscious choice to this move fast. You have a lot, a lot, a lot of energy and you're just going to take action. The minute in which your body and brain say that for whatever reason, hey, that's not a good idea. We shouldn't stay in this high energy state. Then your whole body shifts you to go to this trauma response and a low energy. Because it's like, this is way bigger than I can handle. I don't have the energy for this. We really don't want to do this. We just want to go to bed. We want to put the covers over our head. We just want to not function. That's the dorsal vagal freeze, the overwhelm. This is when a lot of us can't just go and hide in bed. You're a single working mom. You force a smile on your face and you make the kids breakfast and you kiss them and push them out the door. And Then you go to work and you go on with your day. But that heaviness is there. And it's just so much. And your thoughts are, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do this. I just want to give up and I just want to give in. It's a very real experience. And even when on the outside, like outside people looking in and and they see you all put together and a smile on your face and doing your job and everything looks fine. But inside it's that trauma response and it's that very heavy, I can't do this anymore. So again, those steps are the startle, the stress response, and then the overwhelm freeze response. I remember thinking that I shouldn't feel this way and again, I should feel better. I'm out of this relationship, right? So why the hell am I still having these responses? Why am I afraid to talk to him? Why is my body still have this response when he sends over a text? Why do I feel exhausted before I even see him when we switch the kids? One of the comments I got from someone after my divorce was, well, I got lots of comments, but I remember one time someone said, "Well, you're divorced now. Why are you even still caring what he thinks? Like, just let it go." And easier said than done, right? And when people don't understand this level of trauma, I mean, even divorce where there hasn't been betrayal, abuse, right? Significant destructive behaviors. It's a different kind of experience, like massively different, right? That's why I felt so driven to create this podcast for those divorced women specifically who have come from that betrayal, because this, this trauma that you experienced in your relationship, it it is real and it stays with you and it carries over. And if we don't get to this place where we can focus on getting that central nervous system back online to that parasympathetic, when we can't do the work of grounding and calming that central nervous system and, and talking to the trauma parts and realizing that, they're there and accepting them with love, then we're going to stay in this fight flight freeze and it's going to make it impossible. I was going to say difficult, but it's impossible to move forward, but we're going to practice, right? We're just going to keep practicing. And as we practice becoming in charge of these trauma parts so that they're not the ones driving the car, but yeah, they're always going to be in the car. They're going to be looking out the window, watching for anything that could potentially be dangerous, like what they experienced the first time. But you're going to practice and you're going to heal and, and they will doze off for a while and maybe not look out the window the entire drive. So notice where you are right now. Like what is currently the story that these trauma parts are telling you? Do you even know what the story is? For example, my parts told me, Every time my ex said, hey, we need to talk, my parts went from the back seat to the driver's seat in a hurry, punched the gas pedal, swerved out the side of the road, took a back road, getting the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> like, nope, not going to happen. Because that trigger was that every time he wanted to talk, and I'm air quoting here, it was always going to be a conversation about how I'm wrong and Doing something wrong and not enough and not giving enough time to the kids, and not forgiving him enough, not liking his new wife enough, not giving her a chance, not talking to her enough, yada, yada. All of these things that I quickly shut down, anger escalated, and then I was feeling afraid. So the trigger part was ready to hightail it out of there every single time he said he wanted to talk. The story was, I'm a victim, I don't have power, I have to take the punches, and that's just not true. So healing is being in charge and telling my part, hey, I actually can walk away from any conversation that isn't healthy or productive or (laughs) any conversation I'm not legally (laughs) liable to respond to. I actually do have power to think what I want and control what I have control over. Hey, parts, we don't actually have to do the things that he says or believe what he thinks about you. So then my trauma part gets out of the driver's seat and goes back into the back and I say, hey, buckle up. Okay, maybe that's a silly analogy, but does that make sense? And we're just practicing this over and over. This is how we reclaim our power. It's not by hating your trauma parts. You're never going to hate yourself into change. This is not to condemn ourselves for still being triggered or for still having trauma responses. In fact, I would really encourage you to be aware of those phrases right that your brain offers I'm still having that brings a lower level of energy this this judgment of the self I I really want to encourage you to start looking at these parts differently to honor and thank your brain and body for doing their jobs years after my divorce I I think I'd been remarried a couple years at that point I went to Florida where my ex was living at the time and my son was going to go do some baseball thing with him training and I had not seen him for a long time and I was was nervous about seeing him and, and having to talk with him. I could feel my body's anxiety over it but felt a little bit more confident in myself than I had in a long time. So when we talked, I did a really decent job of talking only about the things that I knew we could communicate about in a healthy way. I didn't engage in topics that weren't relevant. And after, after that um, encounter, I drove off feeling really good about how I handled myself. I was literally patting myself on the back. <laughs> like, way to go, Amy. You stayed in control. You managed your brain. You, you held your boundaries. Woo-hoo. Like, not kidding. It was like a punch in the gut. All of a sudden, I felt sick. My body started shaking. I felt my heart racing. It felt like someone was all of a sudden standing, like pushing their foot against my chest and I couldn't breathe. I did what my brain knew to do in those moments when I had this trauma response and I instinctively drove to McDonald's, benched in the parking lot, sobbing the whole time, wondering what in the hell just happened. Well, I'll tell you exactly what happened. But first, nothing wrong happened. In fact, the trauma response I was experiencing was exactly right. Right in that my trauma part just freaked the hell out because I was talking to the tiger that once bit me in the ass. And even though I was classifying it as a success and literally patting myself on the back, my trauma part was just wanting me to know that that was really super dangerous what I just did there. Because remember what happened a while ago? Remember those multiple things that have happened to you? And even though it had been a long time since that in- those incidents, man, I was right in front of the tiger. And so that part was really activated. It was, on, it was trying to protect me. I had an opportunity once I recognized what was going on to thank my body and brain. Thanks for doing your job. Thank you for reminding me of this very dangerous person who's hurt me more than anyone has ever hurt me before. And I kind of freaking love that my body and brain are never going to forget. It's like this built-in safety protection. I just have to practice being in charge of it and not let this part drive the car. I love that these parts have my back. So let's just use like Facebook or social media for a minute, okay, as a trigger. First, let's just notice what the facts of the situation are. Okay, we're going to separate facts from emotion. The facts are you opened up an app and saw a picture. You see a picture, maybe it's an old memory, maybe it's a picture of someone else, whatever. The fact without emotions attached is actually very boring. You opened up Facebook, looked at a picture, okay? So it's not the picture that caused you to have an emotional response, we know that because 10 other people can open up Facebook and see the same picture and you're going to get 10 different responses. So your response is not a fact. Your response is an emotion that is attached because of the story that this part tells about it. And that is really, really good to know and to separate so that you can be more in charge. And and at some point, if you want to, choose to practice thinking something different about a situation or a circumstance. Because if we don't start to look at this and separate facts and circumstances from the emotion, from the story that the trauma tells, then that part is going to drive the car the rest of your life. And you're going to miss out on opportunities that maybe you don't want to always miss out on. So If we can just start looking at this and separating them a little bit, and and look, I am all for if right now you want to look at that picture and have some swear words fly out of your mouth, right? Like, whatever. But do we really want that for the rest of our life? Because that requires a certain level of energy, right? Remember, when we're out of that window of tolerance, when we're out of that parasympathetic, we're not grounded, we're not centered, and it affects your entire body. When you go into that hyper or hypo arousal state, it affects your body physiologically. And and if you continue to stay in this state of hypo or hyper arousal, this trauma responses, it's affecting your physical health. Truly, like scientifically. I'm not just making it up. Going back to separating the fact Okay, I opened up an app and there's a picture. My trauma part told me this story about the picture, and it created this emotion. And we just want to start by separating those out and seeing it. The emotion comes from that that story, that trauma part. Okay, and these intense emotions because it was a very intense impact on you, your trauma. And this part knows all about it. And its job is to notice anything related to it to warn you. Now that we know what's really happening and we know the story and we're aware that it's not actually the picture, it's not actually the circumstance or it's actually not the song on the radio or the couple on the sidewalk holding hands and being all cute, they're not the problem, they're the circumstance. And this is important when you recognize so that you can keep your power. Rather than give the power to the picture, to your ex, to the song, or to the cute couple sitting in the pew in front of you at church. We want to hold on to our power. That is what having an empowered divorce is about. When you can hold on to your power, you are being in charge of that trauma part. You get to decide what story you want to give that circumstance. Rather than taking the story your trauma part gives you and believing that it's true and thinking you have to feel this way. Because you do not have to stay in this state forever. I promise it can get better with this intentional work. And look, this is where coaching can really help you with these specific triggers. And if you really want to dive deeper and take this healing to the next level, be more in charge of these triggers, book a session with me. And let's start becoming in charge of them. So the homework that I want to give you between now and next next week when we talk more about triggers is I want you to just write down five situations or possible triggers, five circumstances, okay? And remember, it's not the situation themselves that causes your emotion, it's the story. But we're gonna write down these five, and maybe one of them is, is Valentine's Day, <laughs> okay? <laughs> if you have that one that's coming up here, that is a trigger, write it down. If you're feeling it already in your body, write it down. Write down five different things, and then write down the story that your your trauma part is telling you about that situation, about that circumstance, about that person. People are circumstances, by the way. They're neutral. Your ex, believe it or not, does not come with a thought or a feeling. We're giving him one, and that's totally okay right now, but we want to see what this is. So write, write down those five things. Write down what your trauma part is telling you, and then... Write down the story that you want to tell. So going back to the analogy I gave before, okay, you have the situation, the next line, like divide your paper into like three parts, okay? The next line next to the the situations are gonna be like when your trauma part is in the driver's seat, okay? And it's in charge. What is that part telling you? What's the message? What's the story? What's the thoughts? And then the next section over I want you to write what you, like you get back in the driver's seat now. Okay. When you think about empowerment, when you think about you controlling what you have control over and you think about moving forward and healing and feeling that grounded and center and clarity and peace. I want you to write a new thought, a new story. Okay. This is being in charge of your triggers. Next week, like I said, we're going to talk more about how to manage them in different ways, different tools. Until then, remember, you're not crazy. These are triggers are a part of you, but you, who you really are, you are whole, you are complete, you are not broken, and you are enough just as you are. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hey, do you know an awesome young single adult between the ages of 18 and 25? If so, you're going to want them to know about my free YSA webinar that I'm hosting February 26th. I'm going to be talking to them about healthy dating and how to have those hard conversations that a lot of them are avoiding. And most importantly, how to become a healthy independent who can be ready for a healthy interdependent relationship. I'm going to hold a live Q&A at the end. It's going to be fun, encouraging, and of course, very real. More information is going to be in the show notes with the link to register that you can share. Remember, you are the chooser in your life and you get to create the life that you want because you can. Take care, everybody.